Hold on, wait a second. This isn't Hamilton. It's whoopsies. It's um our main show because it looks like we didn't plan this well enough to do a Hamilton episode. So we're doing the next best thing: political commentary novel. I mean, we were planning on doing this anyway. We're just skipping Hamilton because uh, Thanksgiving got in the way, and we didn't realize how in the way it was going to get. Um, oops. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyhow. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, so I'm Pierce. I read uh, Flatland. Just so you know, before Justin gives his what what he read, this might be a pretty short episode. I don't. I have some stuff to say about Flatland. Um, it's you know it, there's a political commentary in there. This book is also from like 200 years ago, 150 years ago. So uh, it's not. Um, there's not a lot to say. I mean, there, there's some to say modern. In, in the modern sense there's still some to take out of it but it's not uh, uh i don't have a, i don't have a massive amount to say about this is all is all i'm gonna say and i'm justin and i read it can't happen here by sinclair lewis um not to be confused with upton sinclair because i know for a fact that some of you if you're listening to this episode thought this was upton sinclair of oil or what was the famous book you wrote upton the, uh, the meat factory thing. Oh my god. Yeah, oh. I'm gonna hold on. The jungle. The jungle. He didn't write that. This is Sinclair Lewis, who um deserves he deserves to be remembered more. Um But that that we'll get to that later. Um so yeah, in case you haven't guessed, November is a pretty political month, and I hope to survive Thanksgiving by talking about politics, because we're talking about politics here, or rather political commentary. Um and we both read books corresponding to that theme. So, um, yeah. If you if you wanna if you want more um, information about our podcast, you can follow us on Twitter at NotJustAnyPod, where you can find information about this podcast and um, memes and our other podcast, Not Just Any RPG, where we we play tabletop RPGs. Right now, we are just about concluding um, Call of Cthulhu. It's it's great. Um, or, or the Master of Nile Arthur excuse me, because that's the giant campaign. Um, that episode should be up shortly, um, and we are starting a new Dungeons and Dragons thing. So stay yeah. tuned for that. We're in a break period. Um, we also have well, a lot of us have finals. Uh, and so this, Christmas. you know, regardless, yeah, and Christmas. So regardless of uh, of you know whether or not we were in the middle of a campaign, this might still have been a break period. Um, but it just kind of worked out perfectly where we all have like stuff we're busy with at the same time as the campaign ended. Um, it was it was pretty decent timing, I think. Yeah, and uh, we may or may not upload the episode or, or the upcoming one shot here. Question mark. Yeah, if if we do do a one shot, you'll hear it on this uh, podcast as well as a bit of a, a bit of a teaser. Um. Hopefully it's a good episode. Yeah. Well, as long as we actually do it, like I said, we're we're in kind of a break period. So next week, you know, um, we some of us might still be busy with finals. I know I have a final. So um, anyhow. Yeah. So who wants to start here? Uh, I can start. Okay. I can start. I'll start. Sure. Um, so I read Flatland. Uh, a romance of many dimensions. Um, and essentially, 
I would say I would say more what it's um I would say it's more not nah, I'm not gonna say it's more famous for, but it's it's famous for kind of its descriptions of you know life in other dimensions and how perception would work if we were not you know beings that perceived in three dimensions Hmm. um which we technically perceive our eyes perceive in two dimensions and our brain turns it into three but whatever um not the point the point is when it gets through our brain we perceive in three dimensions and this is kind of an exploration a really a pretty good exploration of what it would be like to see in you know less than three dimensions um now it's divided into two halves the first half is uh it's written by a square i want to say who uh he's writing it in kind of a memoir style um and he is writing essentially like the first half he's writing about the society in flatland where you know all the this two-dimensional beings live um and he's like writing about their society and and all the pitfalls of it and how they tell each other apart and um, what all the different shapes are uh, and all that. And then the second half of the book is he is able to travel to other dimensions. Um, So he goes to uh, a place called Lineland, which is the first dimension. Um, And I I might explain that in more detail in a second. And then he is visited by um, a sphere from, uh, from space is what he calls it um the th- the third dimension obviously mm. uh and so the the first the, the first half i would say the whole thing is is a is a social satire on uh the class system of victorian britain um victorian culture uh it it the the square writes about society in Flatland, and it's fairly regressive. I would say probably more, not probably, definitely more regressive than the Victorian era society. Um, there are some similarities to draw, like men are clearly, you know, held as superior to women in Flatland. Um, women have to have a separate entrance into buildings um they have to like talk as they as they walk so that way people don't mistake them for 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 anything else um and they're lines so you can't see them from one side so you have to make sure you don't, they don't run into you hmm. and that's on them they have to talk as they walk and it's not a both ways thing um so that you know there there's there's the comparison to draw there the reason i say it's probably more regressive than victorian england um so there's a rule called the law of nature where cre- where the population of Flatland evolves. Um, a male child has one more side than his father. Um, so a pentagon becomes a hexagon, a hexagon, and, uh, uh, a septagon, I guess. Septagon and oxagon. Oxy- ox- um, we usually skip the seven, the seven-sided shape in, that, in uh, that is geometry. Um, anyway... Uh, so they, 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 that's what happens, um, except for with isosceles triangles. Isosceles triangles are on the bottom of the social hierarchy. Um, the social hierarchy is goes by number of sides, and then if you have the same number of sides as somebody else, how 
even those sides are. So equilateral equilateral triangles are a rung higher than isosceles triangles. Um, and then a circle is the highest position because they have infinite sides. They have infinite hmm. points around the circle. Um, and with isosceles triangles, they don't um, uh, automatically uh, move up the social hierarchy. And women, by the way, don't at all, I don't think. Um, but from from what I remember, but the but the isosceles triangles are the only sons who don't move up the hierarchy. The the people on the bottom are the only ones who don't move up. Every once in a while, occasionally, uh, it will happen. Um, if I'm remembering this correctly, it does happen very occasionally. Uh, an isosceles, a child of an isosceles, will come out with. Um, someone from uh, the next, like an equilateral triangle, mm -hmm. um, that child will get taken away from their parents uh, because the, the parents wow. are not viewed as um, able to properly educate and care for that child. Because um, <laughs> they're they're the lowest class. Well, the the so the idea is that the flatland is very like unequal. That it's like very regressive. And I yeah. think that this idea comes in as a matter of perspective. And I say that um, because the second part of the book is entirely about um, the square who's writing this memoir realizing that flatland is not everything that there is, um, that it's, uh, there's line land, there's one dimensional beings and he visits the one dimensional beings first. And he, he says, why are you going this way and that way? Um, instead of like around, and he's also confused by their society. Um, their society, I think in some ways is a little bit more regressive than theirs, but it's just very different. Um, and he's very confused by it. Uh, and uh, so he kind of gets that perspective, and then he, and then he meets the sphere, uh, and the sphere basically is like, there's so much more, uh, and I'm gonna try and explain it to you. There's this one really cool moment in in the. This is a side note. There's this one really cool moment where um, the sphere. He. <laughs> He's like, I don't believe that you that you come from space, that you come from a third dimension. And the sphere goes up and down, and it because he can only see the like flat part of it. Mm -hmm. um, he can only see so like the sphere oh. gets wider when its center is is on his plane, and it gets skinnier and then disappears as it goes up and, and down from that midpoint. I, I thought that was a really interesting way to explain it because obviously a flatland is one x y axis on a three-dimensional plane right so if you enter into that one flat plane and then move through it you're just getting the one flat piece of that shape. i feel bad for the listeners trying to visualize that <laughs> yeah. yeah listen this is I, I i would listen i it's much easier to uh read it than for me to explain it yeah if you're confused, you can reread it. I guess you could re-listen to that a few times. Yeah. But um, but yeah, the I I just I thought that was really cool the way that they explained that. But also, so the uh, um, so then he meets that person. Um, 
and they talk back and forth and he's like, I don't believe you. And, and there's like, there's so much more out there. And eventually he, the sphere like grabs him and takes him out of his plane. Um, and it's a little weird, weirdly described from that point. Uh, to me, what I got from it, I might've taken, gotten it completely wrong. Um, was that he could still only see that plane. So like he would go up and he would only, he wouldn't, he would be like further away and that's not like he could only see the, so there was more obviously, right. The space that um, the mm -hmm. sphere was flying through, but the, the square was looking down. He could still only see the stuff that was on the plane he was from. Um, it was kind of weird. I, I, I might, I might have that description wrong. I might've misread it. It's possible. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, what I was, I think, I think, the biggest critique on this um, as social satire is that uh, the there's obviously class struggles in Flatland and there's obviously um, a wrongful uh, class distinction between men and women in Flatland. Um, and Um, how do I, how do I put this? The person, the square in the society does not realize this. Um, and he also doesn't realize that there's, you know, a whole other, other dimensional place. Um, and it is, you know, taking, going outside of that society, outside of that dimension to recognize that there's more that you just can't see. Um, I think there's something to be said about that. I think I could put it in a better way if I thought about it a little bit more. Yeah. Um, like more, more concise, more clear. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think there's something. There's there's something. He's the author is trying to say something about our our perspective and how narrow it is, not only in terms of dimensions, but also in terms of society. Societally, um, like we it's very hard to see outside of the reality around us and the society and the way that it functions. It's very hard to consider how another society would honestly really work in our, you know, day-to-day -day lives. Um, in the same way, it's hard to consider for us, um, you know, what a fourth dimension might look like. Time. Which, well, that's one theory for what a fourth dimension is. But what does that look like? Like if you're able to perceive the fourth dimension, what does that what does that look like? Um, Good question. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. Um, and, and you know, this is this is coming from the square who doesn't even know there's a third dimension. Uh, we know that there likely is a fourth dimension um, that you would be able to perceive if our brains were even more complex, but we mm. can't do it. Um, so if it's hard for us to conceptualize, imagine like some otherworldly being coming down and being like, Hey, by the way, uh, there's this whole other place, like in between the space that you're in and you can go and I can go there. Uh, and you can't, and I'm from there and it's, it's, you know, there's a whole, there's a whole other direction to go in that you can't even begin to see um so yeah i think that's i think that's part of the point is is our perception and our lack of being able to mm -hmm. understand um 
And then obviously the other satirical part is it seems that he, uh, the author, is very much not in favor of um, Victorian era society. Um, hmm. When was this book written? Was uh, this written during the Victorian era? 1884. So yes. Yeah, okay. I don't know. I Queen, don't know. Queen Victoria came to power in, I believe, the 1830s, the late 1830s, hmm. I believe. Uh, 37, 38. Um, and then she ruled for like a long time. It was like 70, 80 years or something. Um, I could look it up, but uh, we don't, we're just, we're just going to go with that. I think, yeah, British. (laughs) Um, no, but I, I, I believe that's, that's at least close to correct. She, she, I know she ruled for a long time and I know she came into power late thirties, early forties. So the Victorian era, technically, obviously there's, probably sub eras within it but mm. technically the victorian area is, is is as long as queen victoria ruled um but yes yeah yeah so flatland cool um i think it has some really good points about human perspective and i think it's cool as like a thought experiment about um you know how it might look to if you perceived in only two dimensions or only in one dimension um but I, I don't really have too much to bring out of it aside from the perspective yeah. thing for like a modern audience. Yeah. I was about to ask like, how is this book aged? Like, is there something in this book for a modern audience? Like, yeah, the, 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 I think the perspective thing kind of applies yeah. across time. I think that's, um, I, I don't think it matters what era you're in. I think that probably works. Yeah. Uh, the but the, obviously the, like our society is not nearly as regressive as, as this one is. Um, I would I would imagine societies in the future are going to be uh, are going to look back at our society and call it regressive, I would imagine. Um, But comparing only what we know, we live in the most progressive society probably ever. So very far um, away. Yeah. Ever before that. Before now, we're pretty good. So um, there's not there's not a ton to take from there aside from just like we've gotten better um especially because like in some in some books that are closer to us in time and he's not trying to specifically mark the ways that uh how regressive the society he lives in is um you can draw comparisons and then that's that's a whole thing uh which i think you probably could draw some loose comparisons here um i don't like our uh, members of lower classes uh, who are intellectually valuable and potential leaders of riots are either killed or promoted to higher classes. Um, every attempt for change is considered dangerous and harmful. This is, this is like, I, we're still resistant to change. I think that's just a people thing, uh, but we don't immediately kill people who are intelligent from the lower classes or, or promote them. Um, just to keep them from rioting. Um, so uh, that's common. I think there, <laughs> I, th- <laughs> I think there are probably some, some comparisons you could draw, but I think they'd be loose and tangential at best. Yeah. It, it seems like an interesting commentary of the time. It's just, it is kind of yeah. dated. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah, I think, I think, I think the, the two reasons is worth it to read is the, um, 
Historical context, probably. The, the historical context, for one. Uh, so three reasons. The historical context. Um, two is the uh, the thought experiment of, of like perceiving in one and two dimensions. Um, and then three, I would say, is that perception point. Uh, if you're, you know, if, if you really want to pull that from something, I don't think that that's a reason to go read this book because it's, you know, that's like the theme of the, you have to read the whole, the whole book to get that theme. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's worth it, if that's all you're looking for, but it, it is, it is there if you're looking for it. Yeah. I guess it's my turn to uh, talk yes. about my book. Um, the book is called, it can't happen here written by Sinclair Lewis, which I must reiterate, not up in Sinclair, um, which is really surprising that, um, Sinclair Lewis is just forgotten because he, um, he was very popular around his time. He outsold F Scott Fitzgerald and Hemingway. Um, like he was more popular than them. And, um, he also won the Nobel prize, uh, in literature in 1930, which I don't know why he's forgotten because Okay, I didn't love this book, but I think this book has some very interesting ideas and it's very relevant to today. Um, so basically, this book um, was written, it predates Hitler. Um, they, they knew about Mussolini, um, and this is before America got involved in World War II. They, uh, Sinclair Lewis saw the um, the rise of fascism in Europe. Um, he saw Hitler and Mussolini, but they didn't know the extent of it. So, um, and people were just like very lackadaisical. They, they did not care for it. Um, it's just as long as it doesn't happen here, doesn't concern me. So he took us a challenge to write. It can't happen here, where now um, fascism, instead of being in Europe, it's in America. And it's because it's the guy who got elected. Um, the president is a fascist. So um, here, yeah. here's one. Sorry, actually, finish what you're saying, and then I'll say what I'm going to say. Go ahead, finish your train of thought, my bad. OK, yeah. Um, fascist president um, gets elected by a cult of personality, even though the Buzz Windrup, who is the presidential candidate, is a blatantly racist, terrible human being, um, contradicts himself many times. He's a populist, um, like bad kind of populist. And um, he just intentionally polarizes the, the America so he can um, basically whoever disagrees with him is a communist and a terrible human being. Whoever agrees with this guy, me, is a great person who understands what America is all about now what we're saying. I, I was just sorry. I was just looking up um, when Upton, uh, not Upton, Sinclair Lewis's mm -hmm. books came out versus when Hemingway's books came out. Because you know me, I like Hemingway. Gotta defend Hemingway. I have no other choice but to defend Hemingway. Mm -hmm. um, it does seem like Sinclair Lewis had time to cement himself before because he his first book published in 1915 yeah. um that's a whole eight years prior to hemingway but also what what came out around sorry what came out around 1935 um, um for hemingway Hemingway's hemingway hemingway i don't know oh, okay so he okay never mind sorry a farewell to arms hemingway published in 1929 your book, It Can't Happen Here, published in 1935. This is a total side note. I'm sorry. My is no, popping off. I, um, but that was a worthwhile tangent. But he, uh, so the, I would say probably The Sun Also Rises was Hemingway's first hit, but if, I believe A Farewell to Arms was a bigger hit, and that published before Sinclair Lewis, the book you read. Was it by Sinclair months or Lewis, by years? By years. Was Sinclair Lewis popular before 
it can't happen here yeah um his other books are babbitt and main street which i have not read i'm interested in reading it um because I, I i don't love his prose but i love the way that he yeah i love the ideas that he has um so 20 and 22 is when those two books came out okay so it, it does seem like he had a bit he, he kind of established himself before hemingway published his first novel um anyway total side note yeah by the way uh sometime in the next few months we're gonna do a hemingway month so as a very imminent <laughs> very yeah well it's very eminent it's in the next few months it's november we were planning to do it until february january or february yeah either or anyways yeah. um Clair lewis um his books are famous for like just like satirizing the Amer uh just like, american culture which he doesn't hear um I wish he did more of this um, because at the beginning of the book, there's a lot of political jargon, which I didn't even get. There's a lot of allusions to contemporary politicians at the time. There was a lot of um, like when this book was released, it um, Buzz Woodrip, the president, um, was compared to a um, Huey Long, the governor of Louisiana, who was called a fascist. I don't know if um, Pierce is familiar with Huey Long. He I have be, heard but... of Huey Long. I'm not super familiar, but I, I do know who he is. Yes. Yeah. Um, Basically, he's very rare, very radical. But um, yeah, basically, basically um, the way that Buzz Windrup gets elected is um, just basically having a cult of personality. Um, he panders to everybody. Um, he has a speech where he goes, um, he's for bankers, but against banks. He's for the unions, but against um, strikes. And he's basically pandering to the majority. He promises everybody to have $5,000 a month and people are like how, how are you gonna pay for this and then and then some people are like yeah just dismiss that part of this campaign the rest of the campaign is really good and he also talks about stripping away women's rights and uh, blacks rights like um like blatantly really really bad stuff but um it's because that he appeals to like the workers plight that um he gets elected and he does um he overthrows fdr in the 1936 election and basically get, it's an easy one for him and it goes as well as you expect um eventually just develops into chaos. Um, as soon as he's elected, um, he demands that he has uncontrollable power, uh, which the legislators are just like not for. So it declares a state of emergency and anybody who disagrees with them, they lock them up. And then the Supreme Court's like, hey man, don't do that. And he locks the Supreme Court up. I don't know how possible that is. Um, some, some, some of the satire doesn't really hold water, but state of emergency, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that, I think that, um just for on real quick on on the possibility of that happening i think like yeah it's technically possible i think they that you could technically do that as president but um like not as in legally you could do that but i think you could technically like there is a a non zero percent chance that that uh, somebody could get away with that um but i think that that non zero percent chance is very very low because i think american citizens um, we're, we're taught to have such like high respect for our like government and, and the constitution and stuff. And something that blatantly, I, I have higher hopes for Americans essentially. Hopefully. Like, like if, if somebody did come in like this character, um, and he did get elected outside of the terrible things that he was saying, um, and then did do that, like not just threatened to, or said he was going to, but actually did it. I I have, I have I I like to think I'm pretty optimistic about 
um, even Americans who voted for him, like their reaction to it. They're like the Americans who, maybe not the Americans who bought into all the terrible, terrible stuff he was saying, but the Americans who bought into like the worker stuff. I, I have, I have a high, I have, I'm optimistic about those kinds of Americans um, coming against that person when when they way overstep like that. Well. That's me personally, though. Yeah. Um, well, in the book, the the title's repeated. Well, I can. Yeah, I know. Whoop. Oh no. <laughs> your your internet died yeah, there, did. bud. Yeah, it did. But oh, it can't boy. happen here. What did I say last? Um, you said, uh, the, just, just jump in with, and the title of the book gets repeated. Okay. So basically the title of the book gets repeated. Um, it's almost like a symbol or a motif. It can't happen here. Um, because they just always dismiss fascism as being a possibility because it's a European thing. And if it's American, um, that's not going to happen, but really fascism comes in the colors of red, white, and blue rather than just in pure red, um, blue. So basically he just disguises it as just being being a fascist is very um, um patriotic um he's gonna restore culture because um everybody um at least in the book is like yo this 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 generation is just too soft you need we need another war to make them more humble um etc so basically just like getting into war is not a a, a like uh, it's not a practical thing it's just something you know that's very cultural and we need that um I don't want to get too much into the weeds about what happens because um, my main complaint of the book is that it goes from zero to 100 real fast because I really wish the book focused more on the campaign um, because the campaign, uh, it skips over the campaign a lot. Um, it talks about how Buzz Windrip, um basically just used his Minutemen, which is his cult of personality, um, just to get what he wants. But, you know, I, I really wish that um, he explored like how some people reacted. Um, it, like not to say that there's that he didn't explore that just kind of wish he did more um because they're basically well you're about to say something yeah i was just gonna say i i see i i understand that and i think that that would be interesting too but i also understand um instead focusing more on what happens after because i think i don't think anyone is totally doubting that um that because usually the the doubt is not that somebody like that somebody with those political beliefs could trick enough people and then get into a position of power i think the 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 argument against it is usually that our institutions are strong enough that it wouldn't happen um can't happen here <laughs> yeah and like and, and and i do i do think there's some 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 truth to some of the ideas um that you've said so far yeah um, I, I'm 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 just probably overly optimistic about Americans and the soldiers and and stuff like that. Not well, not abiding I mean, by it. <laughs> I like to, yeah. I like to believe that our, our country. I I think our country's great. I think our constitution is emerging. You know, like mm -hmm. you know that's something like this really couldn't happen because th this book does like require some suspension of disbelief. Um, as in like oh maybe that that's part of satire isn't really happening um even though it it did capture um what a fascistic president's rhetoric would be like um like um yeah like I, i've already gone over the list um 
and like i think the president buzz windrup is an interesting villain it's just like he's very um distant from the the main events of the book because i think buzz is a very interesting character or at least a very interesting concept but you rarely get a very private moment with him um you to see him at the beginning like a very personal moment with him and then at the end um i just wish that he was more of a presence in the book because most of the book focuses on um how one character whose name is Doremus Jessup. Um, basically, he's just a very intelligent guy. He's very, he has his ear very close to the ground. He listens, he reads political theory in private. Um, and I think he's supposed to represent the people that are very interested in politics that will try to fight back or at least warn people that, you know, a fascist is taking over. Um, his, he has his wife who is just very uncritical of what happens. Um, just basically says apathetic. It's like, if it's happened to those guys, it doesn't matter as long as that happened to me. Um, and it's um I, I forgot what his job was, but he also um voices like disapproval over um like his worker, like Shad Ledoux, I believe his name was. Um he's basically um Doremus is a, a the boss and Shad is just a worker uh who he who Doremus tries to help out. Um and I believe that like Shad is just representing like who would vote for Windrip and who would get sucked in because Shad um he's he's violent he's he's a racist and despite um Doremus like showing like a kind hand towards him he eventually um minor spoiler but like he rises oh, because he joins the Minutemen he rises above Doremus and he kind of exemplifies the person who would fall in line with it and like I kind of just harasses him and takes quote-unquote revenge for um Doremus's like kindness towards him um and um as you can kind of tell like they they put people into concentration camps. They put people um, into like this very deep military state where you can't criticize anybody. All books um, that are even vaguely critical of the government. I believe that um, they they burn a random Agatha Christie novel because it's like oh Ackroyd, the murder of Roger Ackroyd. Ackroyd is the name of this third degree cousin of this statesman. So burn it. I, I believe that's going to be um, something that's very critical of the government. Let's burn it. And yeah, it, it's like fascistic rhetoric like that, which it did predict a lot of things. Um, I'll, I, I know there's one thing that we really want to talk about, but also Europe. We didn't know what was going on at the time, um, the extent of it, which um, a lot of the, this is just very prescient. I will say some people did know, but it didn't get like reported yeah. as heavily as it should have been. Yeah. Um, so, so we did know, but like we weren't talking about it. So a lot of people didn't know. Yeah. I, I believe this is the beginning of I, I forget when this book comes comes out and you know when the atrocities in World War II happened. It came out in thirty five. Okay, so yeah. We just, I, I don't believe he knew like the extent hit, of hit, Yeah. Um and also I believe the there's okay, I'm I've been doing a lot of research on the economies in the nineteen thirties for my economics class. Um there is uh, conflicting reports on when it all started and when it got ramped up, mm-hmm. um, when the actual like killing started. Um, obviously, we know like kind of the timeline of of the stripping of rights just by the yeah. laws that were put in place, um, but the the actual the things that we would probably call the like the biggest atrocities. Um, there are conflicting reports on when that happened because uh, Germany didn't keep amazing records of it, probably on purpose. 
Um, and you know, they probably lied in some, and so there, there's, there's, there's some confliction. Uh, some people, I've seen some people say that they think it started at least to some degree, um, not that long after Hitler took power. Um, and then some people will say, uh, didn't really start. Um, I think it's, I think it's more that the, uh, people are focused on the, again, this is another side note, but I think, I think this is kind of important based off of like how much we know, um, people, uh, a lot of people will talk about, we didn't, it's not very clear in the records how quickly Germany started getting ready for world war two. Um, and so it's also not very clear if they were putting money towards other things. Um, and I think the the timeline is um, <clears throat> they started preparing for World War II. Obviously, they didn't know it was going to be World War II yet, but they started they started militarizing sooner than we thought originally at the time, um, like much earlier, like not like very quickly after Hitler took power, essentially. Um, and then uh, we obviously know when the rights of the Jewish people started getting taken away, like. You know, bit by bit, that's in the laws. They couldn't hide that as much. Um, but I believe I saw somewhere that they were already starting to do things like very early on as well. Not 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 to the scale that they were later, but um, so there there was de- there was om- there was likely you know some uh, some of the yeah most atrocious things going on already at this point. Did they um do it first to um political prisoners or? Because I feel like I think this is what happened in the book first. Yeah, I believe because um, the Hitler first turned his attention on the communists because they were the most like conscientious mm. uh, group in Germany. Um, I, I, I'm an econ major, so I'm not as knowledgeable about the social okay. side of it. But um, but I, I I believe that was the case that he first turned his attention to like again, the most conscientious group, the communists who, if Hitler didn't take power, I, I think like it, they were probably going to take power. Um, yeah. So that, that, that was, that was the first thing for sure. Yeah. It is relevant to the book because like he did take inspiration from like Hitler. and Mussolini, Yes. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which Google says the Holocaust officially started in 1941. But I believe I've seen some stuff that it might have started a bit earlier. Yeah, yeah there's some disagreement over the exact date it started. Um, anyhow, yes, uh, please do more research on that. You can never do enough research on you know atrocities, knowing it's the only way to honor the mistakes the that humanity. Yeah, honor the victims, know the mistakes humanity's made. Um, if you want to know, you know more about when the start was, please be, feel free to do some research. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, I was just about to wrap up what I had to say, but um, I feel like there's a big elephant in the room about, oh, can this happen here with a certain president? And honestly, this has been compared to um, pol- political figures. Um, I don't know how big of a hit this book was, but um, when this book was initially released, they compared it to Huey Long, um, who, because um, yeah, he was preparing to run for president in 1936. Um, and if, if Huey Long um, was very far left, um, which I, I don't know by modern day standards. Um, now, uh, 
some literary critics have um, also compared this to Bush, uh, to Obama, to um, and to obviously Trump. And um, I, I feel like Trump is very unique in this way because there is a cult of personality around Trump. And, you know, as we saw, unfortunately, happened with the January 6th stuff. Um, you know, sometimes our democracy can be a little bit more fragile, um, especially, you know, with Trump trying to um, disagree with the election results and say, um, try to delay it, um, try to um, withhold um, the transition of power. You know, I, I, I get the comparison, um, but... And it's like, it's not entirely off base to say it. Um, and like, yeah, if this book has anything, um, it just shows that fascism can come in many colors. Uh, does it come in red or does it come in blue? It comes in red, white, and blue. Uh, basically, anybody uh, can happen. Uh, it, it could happen. Um, however, I believe our constitution is good. Um, there's a system of checks and balances. And we kind of lived through um, a lot of terrible presidents. And... Not to say that we haven't that America has not committed atrocities, but I feel like I, I know that America is good. Um, I don't know that America um, has made mistakes, but you know, uh, I don't think we could we could devolve into this. Um, so I don't know how to spin that into a positive note, but I think it really can't happen here because um, I feel like this book aged kind of poorly for the good reasons. Um, where I I, I kind of doubt that a lot of this could happen. Uh, because I feel like people are more well-tuned, even though voter participation has gone down. We pay attention a bit more than we should, uh, th than we have done before, I guess, because it's just on blast. So, yeah. Um, okay, so real quick, two things. Uh, they're already passing laws on Jewish people by 1935. Um, it wasn't quite... By the end of 1934, 50,000 German Jews had already left Germany. Mm. Uh, so there was already some stuff going on um, outside of just official laws. And then there's also, obviously, before – you were right. Um, the first thing was against dissidents, uh, social democrats and communists. And then um, it seems like the next big move was towards uh, people who had hereditary illnesses and who were um, disabled. Um mm. <clears throat> Uh, and then second of all, so, so yes, like atrocities are already started, including against the Jewish population. Um, although, you know, obviously it ramped up over time. Um, the second of all, to, to your point, um, yeah, I, I think like recently, I think recently both sides have been called out by the opposite side for trying to grab power and, um, it's obviously off base. No, and I was I was I was about to say that. Obviously the most recent one, like the the president before the one we have right now, um I, I we could say his name. I don't know why I'm yeah. with Trump. Um obviously one side of the aisle thought he was totally a, a fascist. Um and I'm not gonna comment on that here just because I think it's kind of out out it's not totally outside the scope, but I, I that's not the point that I was trying to make. Um I think like the past, especially the past few presidents, the presidents that ha have been in power as long as I've been alive, I feel like have grabbed power in some serious ways. Um, but I also feel like we are seeing people slowly push back on even the small little ways that they grab power mm -hmm. that were justified at the time through whatever they might have said. Um, the Patriot Act is one example. The Patriot Act was justified by 
at the Bush administration and those politicians at the time in order to, you know, protect us, to, to defend us, to, um, you know, if you, if you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to fear. We're going to survey everybody, um, put everybody under surveillance. Uh, and over time, people have started to push back against that um, because it's wrong. But at the time, it was justifiable. I don't. I feel like it would be very hard to justify a lot of the things to Americans um, that you said happened in the book. Um, I just don't think like maybe maybe in like the first moment you could justify it to some Americans. You could be like, like the other side is they're taking me they're trying to take me down like you could probably get away with something like that for for a little bit but i don't think you could get away for, with it for very long i think people would start to realize um realize what's going on at and least in modern just especially modern yeah. day, at least right so I, I i think to your point it's probably true that uh, americans wouldn't let it go that far um even if they were tricked by someone like this I really hope this episode ages well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hope so too. I mean, hey, listen, if uh, if this episode doesn't age well, it'll get deleted anyway. So it's like we didn't even have a bad take. I mean, yeah, come on, <laughs> yeah, um, it got deleted. Great. So it's like it never. It's like it never happened. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but but yeah, uh, hope hopefully hopefully this does age well. I, I hopefully. The hope actually is that it doesn't even have the chance to age well. That 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 yeah. our take never gets tested. That's that's what I hope for. To be honest, please. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, um, I, I guess we're concluding. I don't have anything else for sure. Um, yeah, bit of a. Uh, it's not. It's not a somber note. It's just kind of like. A little, bit, a little bit strange, a little mellow, yeah. Um, yeah, please. Uh, I, I hope you enjoyed us talking about. Well, it got it got kind of dark um, at times. Um, but for I guess that's what. Stuff, I guess yeah. that's what political political. Uh, yeah, we went from political commentary to, does from triangles of squares to atrocities. Yeah, well, there were some atrocities even in the Triangle Square Society. So, no, not the triangles. No, not the not the not the isosceles triangles. Anyway, um, yes. Uh, if you enjoyed, please give, give us a follow, a like. Uh, please, you know, rate us, um, whatever it is on whatever platform. Uh, we really appreciate it. Really help us out. Um, also, you can again follow us at Not Just Any Pod. You'll hear about uh, this show as well as our. Uh, role-playing game stream not just any rpg um twitch.tv slash not just an rpg friday yeah you can easter time yeah friday nights 8 p.m eastern you can check us out uh on twitch um we, we stream the rpg sessions you can also just check us out on youtube or a podcasting platform if you want to listen to right now <laughs> yeah if you if you find that easier um and yeah uh we're gonna take our normal december break um we you know we have finals coming up right now uh and and then we have christmas uh so it's kind of hard to um, uh, get pump those episodes out but we'll be back in january for uh i think steinbeck steinbeck oh yeah steinbeck i almost said fitzgerald because we we're talking about him earlier Whoa. Uh, yes <laughs> steinbeck um and yeah 
I hope you enjoyed. We'll see you next year. Merry Christmas. Goodbye, Prometheus 2021. <laughs>